but yeah, I had some of those bars and it was, it, it feels solid, man. I know what those people who are like doomsday preppers and they're stacking up and they're looking yep. at their bunker or whatever under their house. And they're like, look, I've got my AK 47. I've got my bullets. I've got my baked beans and I've got my bars of silver. If you're standing there looking at a room like that, you are fucking set. You're ready for the apocalypse. <laughs> like that, <laughs> that you, you feel like that. You honestly do feel like that. Hello and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency. This is episode number 28, Cryptocurrency vs. Collectibles featuring Luke, Tuesday the 14th of September 2021. I'm your host, Jeremy. Same as always, been a couple of weeks, we're back at it. Uh, and my guest today is Luke, who has been on the show before. He was in episode three and episode 14. So a recurring guest, but we've got him on for a very special topic here, uh, crypto versus collectibles, because he and I actually met playing Magic the Gathering, which is the largest collectible card game in the world. And the original as well. It's like Bitcoin. It's the original. Uh, so for that reason, I've got him in uh, so that we can talk about uh, some news of, of crypto hitting the uh Magic the Gathering space and how people in collectible card games and stuff think about uh, crypto or other collectibles, you know, like uh, people do stamp collecting, coin collecting, that kind of thing and, and what they share. So, yeah, welcome back to the show, Luke. How how you been doing the, the last couple of months? Um, yeah, it's been a it's been pretty good. I've been busy and not busy and then <laughs> busy again. Um, but yeah, seeing how... Uh, uh, crypto has kind of hit the magic universe that I'm connected to. It's been really interesting. Yeah, you've got the Planar Chaos shirt there, right? You yep. got it, yeah. Got to uh, get that on there. <laughs> repping the MTG merch. Did you from, get that at the original? Like, at yeah, the, at I the think pro-list? when was 2008, that? 2008, I think I was there. Man, that's well, there you go. That's that's this show for you right there. Anybody who's into magic, there you go. Getting getting real, uh, real OGs on. Um, so yeah, anyway, the price, let's just quickly check in on that like we always do. This week, 639 US dollars per Bitcoin cash and about 72.8 BCH uh, buys you one BTC. So we're actually up a tiny bit in USD and also up against BTC. There's a bit of uh, complaining or whatever in the community because BCH dropped off in the rankings a bit. So we were as low as number 18, now back at... Uh, 16. Personally, I do not give a single shit about that because uh, loads of the other garbage just gets like pumped up. Like Dogecoin is slowly sliding off back down the rankings. Litecoin isn't really doing much. Like Chainlink, all these other coins, they just come and go. They they sort of cycle. Uh, Avalanche was ahead of us. They've dropped off. Like So yeah, I don't really mind about all that. But after, after six months of, of price action in crypto, uh, how are you feeling, Luke? I mean, it goes it goes up and it it goes down, and it's it's the people who they don't look at. You can't you can't look at it on a daily um, on a daily basis. Just like you were, just like you told me six eight months ago. If you look at it every day, you just get stressed. You just look at it over time. I don't look yeah. at one week graph anymore because that's meaningless, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I do follow the price a lot, but I guess I'm just in you. I've got like the 
what's it called the antibodies i've had so long uh, of the of the price action that it doesn't phase me anymore but i recently introduced it to our friend uh darcy you know and he he said to me, he he like had got it and he was paying a bit more attention to it. He said, Jeremy, Jeremy, it went up 10% like yesterday. And I was, I was like, that's not, even, that's not remote. He was like, 10%, you understand? 10%. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I thought that was, I, I told him, look, dude, that's just like Wednesday, right? It'll be down 15% tomorrow. So just. You know, it, it's always funny, you know, when people new to the scene, like, or maybe if they've been doing stocks before and it goes up like half a percent and it's a big, a big move. But like in crypto, like if it goes like, I'd say maybe 25 to 30 percent, that's like a, a decent move. A big move is like 50 percent. There was one recently we had the price crashed off like 40 percent in a day or something. So then, well, then every, kind of- that gets, yeah. There's that like old wives tale of like, there's the weekend market and it, it changes on the weekends every week. There's this thing. And obviously it's not really (laughs) just like an old wives tale. It's proper confirmation bias. If it happens two times out of four, you can be like, look, 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 this thing happens every time. Really? I've, I've never even heard that, but probably like, it doesn't even make sense because crypto is not even on the weekend because crypto is just 24 seven. Like, I guess it's just because it's different to the stock market or something. I, I, I don't know. Any, anyway, the point is uh, BCH up slightly, but everybody getting stressed because we're down the rankings because everybody else is having a good week. But B2C doing terribly though. They would, they were shrinking. So we're still still winning against the one uh, benchmark. Uh, in terms of the transactions, where it's still at about we've crept up a bit, 90k a week. Now getting close to 100k a week. And I actually looked the BTC graph. I hadn't noticed this before, but this is the weekend market. It's really bumpy, and I was I but in this very noticeable pattern. And I'd always I hadn't even thought like what is that about? But I checked, and the the two days that it drops off are Saturday and Sunday. So it literally is all the bankers or whatever at their nine to five jobs they're all trading Bitcoin, Bitcoin cash. It's not like that because it's just people. And so people are just trading whenever they're trading. But the the bankers in Bitcoin BDC, it's been, uh, they, they're very clear that on Friday, you know, Saturday and Sunday, they're like using their fiat to buy their groceries, right? So that's really of, interesting uh, how you could probably see exactly how much of that, um, of the BTC transactions are just, financial because you can just just see the difference between the spread of it and that's the amount that's just held up by i don't know the the stock market side of btc yeah true and that i mean it is it's roughly like a third that's kind of uh, what it comes down to right it's about 200k uh average on those uh, weekend dips and then it can be up to close to you know 275 or 300k uh on the during the week right so i mean even that that's that's pretty that's kind of pretty crazy um but yeah i hadn't even thought of that 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 really just proves that that's basically all sort of yeah nine to five office desk or or whatever yeah kind of because i had wondered who was still using bitcoin i thought maybe the exchanges have started doing deals among themselves. Like if coins are flowing from Coinbase to Kraken or whatever, like that they have a deal like, okay, on Monday morning, you know, we'll settle up or like Friday evening or I I don't know, actually hard to know, but I mean, it's pretty clear that nobody's really buying their, you know, breakfast pancakes. So uh, not really too worried about them cutting in. 
uh, on our market there. Okay, usually we also look at the cent in USD is my second major stat. But for this one week, I've delayed that. That's later in the uh, show because it ties into uh, our topic later. So, um, you know, plot, what's it called? Suspense. You can hang on in suspense for that. But what we are going to check in on is these shorts on grayscale that I promised in the last episode. It had rocketed up to two and a half million to check in and find out with the new fresh data what happened well some it plunged back off so all these people shorting bitcoin cash they either got wet feet or got liquidated because it's now down to only eight hundred thousand from two and a half million so like we talked about last week impossible to know really who is involved in these shenanigans but the the point is if they were trying to sort of suppress the price it, it didn't really work because the price is up this week and and a lot of those shorters are are out of there so yeah i, I don't know any any interest in uh, institutional bitcoin there luke so my kind of my first um my first instinct on this is that shorting is in the spotlight a lot at the moment with these meme stocks so they're kind of trying to find something less in the spotlight that they can short because apparently that's how rich people make more money out of their money by just shorting things (laughs) so they found something that they can short that's less in the spotlight even though (laughs) it is exactly we're onto them dude this is the cutting edge like we're onto you shorters yeah, but, I mean, well, they tried to do Tesla and then Elon Musk made those short shorts to make fun of them. And then they moved on to GME and then Reddit got onto them. They're onto Bitcoin Cash. Now the Bitcoin Cash podcast is onto them. So the vigilantes are out there. These, you know, the shorters are coming to get you guys. You can't can't really hide anywhere. So yeah, hard to know exactly what is going on there, but uh, the point is, uh, you know, it seemed like there was a lot of interest in Bitcoin Cash and then either they got wrecked or they realized it wasn't going to work out for them and they they bailed out. So that's kind of uh, good news. Didn't see a big, there was a bit of a bump in the price. Um, so maybe that, maybe that was part of it. I don't know. Right. So this week then we also had uh, Vlad Ivanov and Ryan Giffen had a uh, YouTube chat about Bitcoin Cash and I wanted to bring this up because uh, Vlad is a bit newer on the scene. Ryan's been doing it for quite a while. And I've had Ryan on the show, actually. He was on episode 15. It was one of my favorite episodes, actually. So I highly recommend uh, people check that out. Uh, If you haven't heard it, we talk about gold and about Peter Schiff uh, and Spencer Schiff. And then he also just asked me a lot of questions about uh, Bitcoin Cash because... he hadn't had the chance to, to ask a lot of those questions to someone in person. But I wanted to bring up this, um, this podcast that they did because it seemed to me indicative of the trend uh, in Bitcoin Cash, which is that the scene is starting to decouple from BTC. Whereas before, it would be a lot of like the Bitcoin Cash things would just be kind of like, what's happening in Bitcoin? And then like, relative to that, what are we doing but now it's sort of starting to be that Bitcoin Cash is it's got its own scene. It's got its own creators that are just there to talk about Bitcoin Cash. Maybe BTC gets a mention or it's like, but increasingly nobody cares what they're doing. If they're having a disaster in terms of running their network or their fees are high or 
whatever. It's just irrelevant. It's like we've got so much exciting stuff happening in our own scene and with the you know new content creators are sort of starting to uh, emerge over this last year. Obviously, this podcast is one example, but there's actually quite a few others. Um, and just like noise.cash has all this conversation about crypto and about all this other stuff as well that is just completely divorced. Nobody cares about BDC really on that. And I just think it's it's amazing to see that uh, that to me is a hugely positive sign because ultimately that's what BCH needs to do to get back to number one is it needs to be making a case, not that it is the bed of Bitcoin, but that it's Bitcoin cash and it's just crushing it, you know, uh, to convince the rest of the market that this is something, you know, unique and special Um that's fixed the problems with BDC and if they have whatever problems they're getting quagmired in, if we're not, and we're just powering ahead, that kind of proves the point. So yeah, I don't know. How, how have you found uh, this Luke? You might um, have a good perspective. So I guess it's kind of thinking about what you've just said, it's kind of a microcosm of kind of crypto versus the dollar in a way, because one of the things that I've been noticing is that um, crypto positive people are uh, um they're, they're, there's a big drive to start thinking of things in terms of well this can of coke is worth so many satoshis versus well this can of coke is worth 70p which is worth this many satoshis so that comparison is like this is like a smaller version of that to try and like just have bchb its kind of own thing just like there's the push to have crypto be its own thing. Yeah. And you can only kind of do, and that's again, another point where you can just see if you go and look at any of the Bitcoin related stuff, they don't kind of have that undercurrent going because the whole point is, Oh, what's the USD price. That's what they care about because they want to try and sell back out for the dollars. They're not just thinking like I've got, I've like in theory and you know, as time goes on, it will be more and more like people just putting their money into Bitcoin cash you never sell you just spend that's it <laughs> you just get what you want you just you just spend it right and so as and then as obviously uh you know the person you send it to well maybe they sell if they still haven't clicked yet but increasingly as the scene kind of builds up itself you send to them and then they're also holding bitcoin cash and they send it to the next person and then that's an economy right it's just already flowing there and because that loop can build in in bch which it was starting to in the original bitcoin before the fork but it uh then all got disrupted by bitcoin bc and now there is that loop is not happening at all as we can see from the we saw the bumpy like transaction line that's the exact manifestation of it's not just flowing in internally but once it starts flowing internally it will then sort of uh, exponentially build upon itself because then anybody new who's buying into the scene, they're, you know, acquiring some uh, BCH, but there'll be less and less people coming out. So it will just be, yeah, the coins on the network will, and it will just all detach and be its own separate economy. I mean, even like noise.cash is fantastic in that way because you can already see a bit of that where like I have got BCH that I've earned from this show and that I've tipped to somebody on noise.cash. Like that's a that's a complete hop where it hasn't touched fiat, but a value is being created and then and then sent, right? So I just yeah, I, I recommend everybody check out this uh chat that uh 
Ryan and Vlad had the the links on the slide, or you can look it up on YouTube. But I, I just I want to commend the two of them, and I think it's it's just a small example that's the start of a trend, which is that BCH scene is starting to look internally uh, rather than rather than externally, and that's the result in my mind of uh, the there not being any drama with the devs or people trying to fork off or anything like that. It's like a plant, you know, if you just leave it. And you just water it a little bit and just let leave it time it will it will start to flower and that's that's what we're seeing i'm so i'm really really excited uh, to see that i think it might also be um a symptom well a symptom implies like a bad thing but uh, a consequence of the fact that there are these kind of movements in other countries for people to just be able to buy things with bch like um, I know there's a big been a big push in Nigeria recently, um, and Venezuela is. I, I see quite a lot of that um, BCH being used in Venezuela just as money, and as that kind of as that um, becomes more accepted, then there are people in the world who look at I don't know a pint of beer and they don't think, well, how many bolivars? I think that is. They think, well, that's how much, how many MBCHs is the price of this meal, and that's like just a real use, and that's that's the goal, really. Yeah, that's right. It's 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 so uh, it's so exciting to see, really. And I think one thing that the community could maybe try and, and start thinking more in this mindset. It's it's very out there, but you've got to start thinking is how we're going to onboard a lot of people is by providing services that you can only buy in BCH. It's not even just, oh, we're giving you the option, but in having something that you don't just don't want fiat currency, right? So that's why I only sell, you know, I don't have a PayPal link or whatever to get early access to this episode. And that's obviously a, a niche example because my audience is, you know, to, by definition going to be interested in BCH, right? Now, okay, now I'm back. All right, so, well, anyway, whatever. I just did a mad rant. Maybe it'll just... <laughs> cut out but anyway the point is if you're selling shit give a discounted bch or just say bch only because that's how then people will be like what that's the ultimate proof that you believe in bch is like i don't want fiat that just that that hits the other person hard let me tell you if you're like give me bch or ask a job to pay you in uh bch like 10 percent in bch or 50 percent or whatever uh and then the other person's like wow this is this is serious it's it's kind of happening um so yeah, and so then as a contrast to uh, this chatter in the BCH scene, we've got also chatter happening about BCH outside the scene, uh, which was this guy, Doug Polk, uh, Polk, Doug Polk, who's a famous poker pro. I'm actually a big uh, fan of his, and he's been yeah really big in poker, but he made a couple million, probably even more, and then he sort of has drifted away from that to get more into crypto. And just recently... He, he got onto this tangent on his own podcast. Uh, he was talking to this guy, Brian Mikon, who's a 2011 Bitcoiner, and they were talking about NFTs and all this sort of stuff. And then he said, look, what other coins are you into? And, and Brian said, look, uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Bitcoin Cash hasn't changed. And Doug was like, Bitcoin Cash, like, let's talk about that. And they had this big uh, chat about it. And Doug was skeptical because he was kind of like, you know, he thought the brand was a big problem that basically... You know, it's just kind of like the also ran Bitcoin. And and that's a fair take. You know, it's easy to sort of criticize it on that grounds. But that if Bitcoin Cash's biggest problem is its branding, 
that is like high fees or just a internal issues in their community or thing is branding is very easy to, to fix because it's just you talk to people more until they get the idea. Uh, yeah. And that's sort of the second point, which is that because Bitcoin Cash, you can't pick it from ignorance. That's really how I want to say it. you cannot pick Bitcoin Cash from ignorance. Everybody who's picked a Bitcoin Cash knows how it works. They know the difference between Bitcoin. They know the history and they chose Bitcoin Cash. But a lot of people pick Bitcoin and just think Bitcoin Cash, they just think it's a scam and they don't know anything about it. And so that's that's actually a weakness in, in Bitcoin. In the short term, it helps them get more people. But in the long term, they're not building a, you know, an educated uh, user base and therefore cracks emerge in, in sort of uh, different ways. So that, that is what I would, I would put to Doug Polk uh, about, about the Bitcoin Cash branding. Sure, it's not ideal, but we're not moving off it because we are Bitcoin. And, and that's what he acknowledges in, this, in, the, in the clip. He says, look, Bitcoin Cash, what I will give them credit for is they're not going anywhere. Like they're not here to make a quick buck. They've been here a long time and they're you know, serious about that. So he can recognize that it is a hardcore community, but uh, he just hasn't quite made the leap that in the long run, that hard committed core is what drives you know, the end adoption basically like the proof that's like the almost the proof of the fact that it is kind of worthy of its kind of title that it's claiming yeah yeah exactly it's the and and i wrote uh i wrote some stuff on bitcoincashpodcast.com on the faqs like sort of explaining this as as uh you know part of one of the strengths of, of bitcoin cash like the number one thing is that the community are committed to the actual idea not to getting rich not to the branding, not because it's flavor of the month, nothing like that. Like it's the only coin where people are in it literally for the vision and rename it. Well, doesn't matter. We wanted the vision, not the, not the kind of the name. Right. So I, I, but you know, again, Bitcoin cash, it's just, it's, I see it. It's like the marathon runner, you know, that just sits at the back of the pack. It doesn't need to be winning. It just needs to be staying in the race and eventually just at an opportune moment, bam, come out like with a huge, uh, surge, and I think that's that's what we'll see because everybody constantly ignoring or shoving off Bitcoin Cash. Now it's like we saw in the previous slide, it's starting to build its own internal internal kind of um, momentum, right? Okay, so next thing is uh, Mark Falzone, who has been doing a killer job uh, in El Salvador, where Bitcoin has recently been made a legal tender. It's been required uh by the government and so he flew to el salvador to be on the ground and find out you know get to the bottom and and get the facts so everybody check out his channel and watch that if you want to know what's going on this is by far the best reporting you'll get of this i will not even be able to come close to explaining what is going on but uh basically he he tried to look around and he found that at a hotel he could pay in bitcoin uh, even though it was expensive because the fees were high. But then a lot of other places, he needed to have a specific app called the Bitcoin Beach app, which was locked onto their region. And then when they did this grand rollout, it's with this app called the Chivo app, which has been made basically by the government. So there's Bitcoin at the base layer. And then there's the Lightning Network, which is the Bitcoiners are trying to put as their solution on top of that. And then on top of that, they have this Chivo app, which is basically just like their sort of version of PayPal, but kind of somehow kind of inter- integrated with the Lightning Network, which is somehow kind of integrated with Bitcoin. So 
as a result of that, there's there's been a lot of uh, uh, trumpeting of success by Bitcoiners on Twitter. Haha, <laughs> we've got a whole country. Look at this. I bought a, somebody posted one video of them buying a coffee at McDonald's, you know, great. But it's kind of like they missed the point, both because the average people are actually not that excited about that. And this is Mark has videos about this too, where he went, there's been big protests of like thousands of people who are against Bitcoin and they have different reasons for it, but a significant chunk of them are not even against Bitcoin. They're just against the fact that it's required. It's just kind of like, well, if people want to use it, that's fine. But why would you force it? And that sort of defeats the whole point of crypto was that it should be voluntary. You know, it's kind of like, we don't want to be forced to use the government currency and we're going to provide crypto as an alternative, but nobody should ever be saying to anybody, you sh- you must use crypto. You know, it's got to win by um, conversation, not by coercion, you know? So, uh, and on top of that, just uh, before I give you a chance to jump in, look like they've had problems with it. There's $5 minimums on some of these transactions and there's just a lot of implementation and people are confused and all of this. So I don't think it's been a big uh, success overall, but uh, thanks thanks to Mark for doing that reporting. So yeah, anyway, that's my thoughts, Luke. Kind of makes me wonder what the intention of the optics was um, in, in allowing it in the first place. I wonder if some big uh, BTC um, maxi was... Uh, had a finger in the government and said, Hey, if you do this, my money will get worth more. Or whether it's someone in El Salvador, the government saying, Hey, if we do this, we will look like a future thinking tech nation. Um, Either way, uh, both of those perspectives are kind of backfiring by the sounds of things because it's because of the rollouts, not, not within the original core concept, which is a theme Sounds like a theme not in the original core concept causes problems. Yeah, exactly. And I think, well, I mean, I think one angle to it might have been some people have suggested that maybe the the government with uh, Bukele or how how you say his name is, who's kind of in charge over there, uh, that he has, you know, maybe seen an opportunity as to let me get everybody onto Bitcoin in, in his own app so that he can sort of monitor what's going on and control sort of the population that way, because it wouldn't actually be giving them any liberty if they're not really in control of their Bitcoin or that also he might be trying to use it as a way to sort of uh, get more dollars going on by saying like, look, people, you got to bring in, convert your dollars into me and I'll give you these Bitcoins. But then he has the stash of dollars. And then if he's making like, fake bitcoins basically on his app because it's not on the main blockchain then he can be observe you know absorbing in more dollars or internationally you know if remittances are coming in uh in bitcoin kind of the same thing right it would be a way for him to like build up a bit of a stash so either way (laughs) you know it's it sort of remains to be seen how it's going to end like or if it does end really uh as to you know, like whether people are the few people there who are keen on it, whether they're going to get really into it or if uh, it's going to provide an opportunity for education. And again, Mark has just been doing a great job because he's become this sort of like overnight micro celebrity in El Salvador because he's a foreigner that is there to cover the Bitcoin thing. 
and he's on the side of the protesters, actually, or at least he's giving them coverage and airtime. And so uh, they, you know, they're grateful for that. And then so he has been trying to sort of educate them as well on like, look, here's how the app works and here's how Bitcoin works. And, you know, here's Bitcoin Cash if you, you know, if you want to hold your own money and here's how you do it and all these kind of things, right, with some Spanish translators and, and everything like that. So it's absolutely uh, amazing an amazing job uh he's doing there but yeah i think it's really just going to crash through in a bit of a disaster and at the end of the day well it might be that the population sort of enough of them kind of shift their cash out of the app and start trading it it might be that at some point the government just declares like some authoritarian grab of all the bitcoins on their app i don't know we're gonna have to have to kind of wait and see that I think. was when you when we were talking about it, that was kind of my first um, my first thought of things that could go wrong is the yeah. president does an exit scam, which, yeah. is, which wouldn't be good for crypto um, positivity across any crypto. Yeah, well, and that's why that's where you know this is such an interesting case because it's not really that the way that the crypto community sort of imagined it happening <laughs> in a lot of, that's really a lot of the story yeah. of, of, of crypto is that, you know, like we've been saying with Nigeria and in Venezuela or in Australia and Townsville, where people have been trying to promote Bitcoin and cash, that's a hard, it's a hard road to go because you have to educate people one by one. This is how it works. Hold on to your private keys. This is how you send it. This is how you do a transaction. Like a lot of the wallets and apps and infrastructure is still a bit early stage, you know, the educational resources aren't necessarily there, getting the whole concept that the entire world can switch to this and on and on and on and on and on. It's a very, very, very hard thing to change people's consumer habits like that. So that's how Bitcoin Cash has slowly been, you know, building up a little bit of uh, traction subject to its own internal squabbling and whatever, which has delayed it. But the this sort of top-down approach of you must all use this is obviously being implemented in a top-down way with custodial wallets and this and that, which uh, even though in the short run, the BDC crowd might be celebrating that they've had this huge success, it still has those fundamental flaws that there are weak points of failure if somebody in the government just does a big grab. So that's going to come back to haunt them at some stage or people are going to learn, yeah. That's kind of a BTC theme, isn't it? Short <laughs> success. Yeah. <laughs> the hare and the tortoise, mate. Uh, definitely that's it. That's why the tortoise is green because it's like Bitcoin Cash. You know, even Aesop, Aesop was on it, mate. He knew uh, He knew how it would all go down. All oh, right, the Greeks so... had it down. The Greeks had it down. <laughs> they, yeah, they got everything right. Like the Spartans, you know, the the 300. I recently rewatched that movie. Great freaking movie. Like... Still holds up. It's 15 years old, that movie, by the way. Uh, but yeah. As what it would have taken would be an extra 15 years and we'd have had Satoshimus. <laughs> yeah, maybe someone someone rising up. Uh, but yeah, I was watching that and Ephialtes just selling out the selling out the Greeks who couldn't be defeated by the Persians, exactly like BDC, selling out crypto who couldn't be defeated by the government, you know, but anyway, it's all good. Bitcoin cash is still here. So uh, we just got to, just got to keep fighting. All right. So in the next bit of news, so this is a, just a big spectrum we've had here of Bitcoin cash building up in itself 
Bitcoin Cash getting attention from outside, BTC getting attention like, what are you doing here with this, uh, um, you know, rollout in El Salvador? And then finally, you've got Coinbase getting into regulatory blows with the SEC in America, who, I mean, crypto is just now, it seems like well past the point that the government can't ignore it anymore, but they also don't know what to do about it. And even though people think of a government as a sort of one entity, which it is to some extent, it also has turnover of its own members constantly, uh, both in terms of the the parliament and in terms of the actual public servants, and then also, you know, their own jockeying for position, their own problems. So what happened was Coinbase put out this big uh, announcement about that they wanted to release a lending product, which a lot of crypto exchanges have. They have variations of this, deposit your Bitcoin, get some return on it, you know, some kind of scheme like that, right? So they wanted to get in on this action. So they said, look, we're going to do this. And they told the SEC, we're going to do this, which is what the SEC recommended they should do. So they did it. And then the SEC wrote back to them and said, if you release this product, we're going to sue you. And Coinbase was like, what? There's already a bunch of companies doing this that didn't ask you for permission. And we weren't even really asking you for permission either. We just did it to be you know, courteous and to give you a heads up. And so the SEC was just so, so, you know, can we have some more details? Why, A, why would you kind of, what they said is they would class it as a security. Why are you going to class this as a security and then sue us over releasing it when A, you haven't done it for anybody else and B, it's not clear at all, you know, where your authority is for that or how would that work? So they were kind of punished for trying to play in the rules. And the SEC came back and just said, no, it's just straight up illegal and didn't give any reasoning as to why it would apply specifically to them or if it would apply to everyone or what the rules were they just basically said we think it's illegal and we'll try and sue you so coinbase who are you know one of the most compliant we're going to follow the rules etc exchanges compared to a lot of the others uh obviously they'd they'd been pushed far enough uh and so they just thought fuck it we'll just go public with it so they've come out with their sort of side of the story and just sort of called out the sec and published this all you know to the whole community so now everybody can see look well the sec is not really willing to to play ball and a, another story that we're just going to have to wait and see what the fallout is because coinbase could just uh release their product and then just say well fine sue us and then you know hash it out with the lawyers it seems if they say look can we sort this out amicably that the SEC is not really going to be forthcoming to them on that front. And I mean, if their competitors are rolling along with it, then at some point they've got to be like, well, just take us to court and we'll just point out how everybody else is doing it. You're doing nothing about them, you know? So this, this sort of clash of uh, regulatory titans going on (laughs) in the background of the grassroots adoption, which carries on uh, day by day, you know? Not only are normal people already doing this with other places in other places with their crypto, this is just by the sounds of things, this is just how banks work. You give a bank your money and they give you 2% and they say, well, we will lend you money, but it will cost you 5%. Then they get to keep that through. That's just how, that's just how banks work. That's just money. Um, so this is a really big statement by the SEC saying we do not want to accept this crypto as money we don't want to give it any uh, one of the privileges that money holds 
Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of this uh, merry-go-round that, that crypto has been on in terms of the regulatory side where the regulators are both like, well, this doesn't fit into any of our boxes because that's why it's called crypto. This is something I really try and explain to people a lot of the time is people think, well, is this like a commodity? Is it like a stock? Is it like a currency? Is it like gold? Is it like a bond? Is it like a bear asset? It's like, no, it's, it's just cryptocurrency. It genuinely is a new category and it will need new understanding. But of course, in a regulatory uh, framework, you're always trying to fit things into existing boxes because that's how the law works. It moves slowly and how politics works as well. So as a result of all this, they're just, they're just trying to cram crypto into the everything box when it suits them and the nothing box when it suits them as well. And that's not really working out for them because the longer they try that, the less compliance there will be by companies that just can't figure it out. And they just say, look, well, we'll just crack on with our business and we'll deal with the headaches afterwards because we can't afford to just do nothing and be in constant regulatory sort of paralysis. So the, uh, and all the time, obviously crypto is getting stronger because people are building you know, education on the ground, more people are starting to trade it, more companies are starting, all this, you know, cultural momentum is is building up. So once you've got uh, all these, you know, systems in in place, like the the regulators, they still have a bit of wiggle room before crypto just takes over and they just can't do anything about it. But if they keep messing about uh, with their authority, it's not going to get them very far, basically. Yeah, I think this, um, the whole kind of, so it was like, like a few months ago, all of the kind of um, governments, a lot of European governments were throwing around ideas of having their own country's crypto. Like we had like Bitcoin and there was one in um, Germany and that all seemed to very, very quickly go silent. Um, no one's, no one seems to have mentioned um government-backed cryptos in a while so someone somewhere said to somebody can't do that mate no no can't do that um and i wonder who it was and why they said that yeah well definitely i mean i think that that's true it has gone very quiet on that front yeah like especially in the in the uk definitely rishi sunak he hasn't been busting out the bitcoin banter like recently but they just put a couple of task force on it and then but i mean this is another thing where just the governments are just weak to this stuff that's why people are always worried that the government's going to come and wreck crypto but the thing is like the government would have a tough time fighting crypto if it was you know one v one if it was crypto versus the government they would have a tough time but they it's not it's not that the government has to worry about healthcare they have to worry about education they have to worry about the roads they have to worry about somebody protesting human rights or some other government giving them grief at their borders or trade agreements or the EU or like there's a billion and one things that the government has to worry about crypto is like 50th on that list and so whenever they they sometimes kind of like start looking at it like what's going on here but then uh, a week or two later they're busy with something else and crypto doesn't care because crypto has all day to fight crypto battles the government only has you know a couple days a year to fight crypto battles so inevitably they're just going to get swamped uh and and that's yeah why i'm really not super worried uh, about regulation on on cryptos i think if uh, if governments wanted to 
destroy cryptocurrency, um, they'd have had to have done it already. They'd have had to nip it in the bud right at the start. It's past it now. I, I don't think it would be possible because, I mean, you couldn't, can't really seize it. You can tell someone you want to seize it, but you can't go and take someone's keys. That's just not how it works. It's just data that you can store in your memory if you want to. You can't, you can't really do that. It's not like the feds can come in and take a big pile of gold from under my bed if I'm a criminal um, or if they want to ban the use of gold. Um, so if they, if they wanted to do that, they'd had to have to have already done it. Um, and so long as there's someone who wants to trade their currency with somebody else for goods or services, then they will find a way to do that until the last miner is switched off. Yeah, exactly. And crypto is just, it's just built to be anti-fragile. Wherever the little loophole is in the laws, in the world, some guy in his outback farm in Australia or some Eskimo or something like uh, Inuit, I don't know, whatever, like whoever it is, some some guy in the jungle in the Amazon, like some Swiss banker in Panama. Exactly. There is just, there's just, the crypto community doesn't need to coordinate with itself. It just gets the job done just all, all day, every day. And uh, the, yeah, the, the governments can't even coordinate internally in their own government most of the time, let alone between governments. So there's just no way, but it's just a hydra crypto. It's too, too hard for them to, to battle. All right. So let's, let's get into the sort of the main chunk of, of what we're going to talk about today. So here we have actually the USD cent per day. So in the previous episode, we'd seen it had come up to this all-time high for BTC of about 100 billion. And I'd said that it was a bit sus, a bit of sudden growth. And it started to, and I predicted that it would come down, which it did. But then out of nowhere, it just absolutely took off overnight from like 20 billion up to $317 billion of BTC sent in one day. And then that's went back down to 70 billion and then back up again today to $317 billion. So I saw this, I thought, what, what is going on here? Like this is the, you know, just tripled the all time high. And this kind of thing can't happen overnight. You know, it's not like 5 million people adopted BTC overnight. That just doesn't happen. So something else had to be, had to be afoot, but the price wasn't moving up and it wasn't even, it moved down a little bit, but it didn't really crash off either. And it seems uh, BCH, by the way, completely untouched, about five billion. So that's that's sort of a side story. But BTC has been absolutely insanity, and so it seems like what has happened is that FTX, who are the uh, the one of the really big exchanges, they have been sending around two billion Bitcoin uh, in every single block for the last couple of days, basically. So they had this huge chunk that people are watching on the chain as they send it around over and over in every single block. And they had put out this kind of uh, story or, you know, some sort of press releases saying, look, we're, we're consolidating some of our wallets or whatever. But people are like, this is very unusual behavior because you'll probably do that once. You wouldn't do it 150 times a day, let alone for multiple days running. And so people have been looking at the chain analytics to, um, to see what's going on. And I mean, it's pretty hard to hide $2 billion worth of 
worth of Bitcoin, even though everyone thinks it's super slick and like anonymous currency. But what's happening is it's being sent out every time and just a small chunk is being siphoned off every single time uh, as the as the billions keep keep getting rolled over. So there's a theory going that they've been hacked. Somebody has grabbed two billion in Bitcoin and is now just slowly putting these smaller chunks through some coin mixing uh, services in in Russia was the analysis that I read. And it's just slowly, you know, mix washing around that money until they, they feel like they've kind of got away with it, right? So I mean this this would be a pretty pretty monster deal if 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 that's what's happened and uh bad news for BDC. I don't know. Any any thoughts on this, Luke? Well, I had I had seen this graph um and I saw the spike up and then the spike down. I didn't realise it had gone back up again. Um and it's just it's quite it's actually quite frustrating because um anything that damages public confidence in Bitcoin damages public confidence in crypto and damages public confidence in Bitcoin cash, particularly. Um, and uh, we, we, we speak about it all the time. It's the public confidence is the important part. So it's just, I don't know, it's just frustrating. It is just frustrating because this is just another point you have to kind of Someone will someone will be like, if you're discussing crypto, because people are cross about crypto who don't mm. understand it or know much about it. It's just another point that you have to kind of defend. Mm. Um, and I don't, I don't know enough about this to, to to defend it. They'll be like, well, what about that 317 billion? I'll be like, I <laughs> sorry, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's right. And I mean, it's been a while since crypto has had a couple of big exchange disasters, but there are a couple of them lurking around in the scene. I've talked before about Tether. That's like a bit of a scam. Like maybe that's going to unwind at some point with Binance and, or, or Bitfinex, whoever it is. And like they're set up. Binance is trying to sort of subtly sneak around the world and not get hit with a bunch of regulations. Now we got FTX, um, you know, uh, about to, you know, get hacked by some Russians maybe and lose a couple billion in, in Bitcoin. Like surely they can't really afford that no matter how rich they've been getting off, off crypto, a couple billion. That's a lot of free, free cash to be. They'll have uh, to drop their sponsorship on LR. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So this was all very uh, sort of coincidental in one sense, right? It's because uh, the, yeah, the main topic the for the show, right? Crypto and, and collectibles that I wanted to talk about. So like I mentioned at the start, I, I got onto this because uh, there's a podcast called limited resources, which I've been a fan of um, for the last about year and a half or so. Uh, I would have been for longer if I'd known about it, but I, I just didn't even know about it. And I guess, I don't know, how long have you been listening to LR Luke? Um, well, I guess, when you're talking about magic, you think about it in terms of release cycles. Yeah. Yes. So since probably, probably since the like second Zendikar sets, we're gonna get we're gonna get into so that's some- that's yeah yeah okay we don't we don't need to get all the, but that's like 2011 type of uh, era. Okay, yeah. so you might have been listening for like basically a whole uh, decade. Uh, 
probably thing. no not not that much they've not been around that long but they're on episode like five or six hundred and they do it weekly yeah uh, so pro- at least at least five years yeah okay all right all right so yeah oh the seconds and anyway <laughs> yeah yeah um <laughs> yeah, yeah so anyway it's basically this very long-running show it's very popular in the uh magic the gathering scene uh it's hosted by these two guys one who was a sort of former and i guess even current uh pro player uh and another guy who's more on the sort of media side um that actually you know runs the runs the podcast and everything called marshall and Luis. so uh they they got tweeted out basically by ftx this exchange that has potentially just been hacked for a couple billion uh and they said happy to announce from the exchange that brought you partnerships with Brady, Bunchen, Curry, Lawrence, and more comes a partnership with a truly iconic duo, Sutcliffe, LSV, if you know, you know. And so, uh, I mean, I think this exchange, I think it's been a very smart strategy of them to uh, do this. So they've got like Tom Brady, the big NFL player, and uh, Steph Curry, you know, big basketball player, and a few other people. They've obviously identified that, a good way to spread crypto is by basically recruiting influencers and and getting them on board with it, right? And this is another thing that makes crypto unstoppable is there's so much money washing around in the scene that the big players figure out, look, if we can't get people interested just naturally, well, we'll just buy them, <laughs> you know? Once you're on the payroll, you've got to look into crypto and find out what's this about and what's going on here. And then you get some yourself, you start spreading it, right? So they've one way or another they found their way onto LR which is an interesting thing because it's not like basketball or it's not like the NFL like they they must know yeah. like there must be someone in their company who's a who's a fan of the show or something like that and thought look this is a niche we can really hit so they and it is in, it is incredibly niche not not only is not only is magic quite a niche um uh, when we're talking about like mainstream interests it's it's not like Avengers movies. It's relatively niche. Um, and within Magic, this podcast is only a small subset of Magic players as well. So it is quite a bold move and it is quite telling of where FTX wants to spread their interest. They want to directly target small kind of individual communities. Yeah. And I think, well, I think, you know, I would think to great when I heard about this news, I thought, that is a that is a great idea. Like I thought that was just really smart, really well yeah. done. Uh, you know, that's the kind of niche that they should be looking to hit. You know, it's people with disposable income, right? Because they like this card game and they spend it on that. It's people who are sort of fairly analytic and often like in my own experience uh, playing Magic, you know, I've met a lot of uh, people that are into tech and stuff like that. They're already kind of thinking in those ways and most of all really is the point that people who play like collectible card games or any kind of collectible, right. Whether it's stamps or coins or, you know, um, Pokemon dolls or anything, right. Whatever people are into, if it's a collectible, you already have the idea of crypto in your brain, which is that anything can have value because the whole point of a collectible is what makes one card different to another card or what makes one, you know, painted like skateboard design different to another skateboard, anything. It's what people like. And maybe it's because it's rare or maybe it's because it was done by a specific artist or a specific person backed it. Or maybe it's because, 
Uh, it has some intrinsic properties like the cards in the game, you know, some are stronger than others, kind of just like how cryptocurrencies, some have, you know, certain hashing algorithms or whatever, like all those things seem so similar. And that kind of free floating market of, of what trades for what based on just the people interested, that should be a perfect match one-to-one with the collectibles uh, community. And yet, despite this, and much to my surprise, the reaction to this sponsorship being announced was by and large, very negative. Uh, And we're only seeing a small slice of it because uh, looking on Reddit or just talking to people I know, that was kind of the the sample size that, you know, there would be a large hidden majority that, that didn't make any comment either way. But from the vocal minority, they, there was a lot of a lot of uproar. So, I, I don't know. Do you want to give some some details of, of how that happened and what was the kind yeah. of sentiment? So the gen the general feeling I think was um, like there was this thread that popped up about that they had spent twenty minutes on their f- flagship. Um, every three months, there's a really important episode of the podcast, and this was a particularly important episode kind of reviewing the new set that came out and people like you've given 20 whole minutes of this important episode to talking about this thing. And everyone's talking about crypto being a scam and all of the, all of the, all of, all of the trite downsides that you've heard a million times are just being spouted left, right and center. Um, And yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you. It's, it's surprising because some of these individual cards Fifty dollars, a hundred dollars, just for a, a card that has some play value as a collectible, and I'm kind of sat there thinking, well, that's not an inherent. That's just a. That's just a supply and demand. It's just a match between desirability and availability that drives a price. Um, similarly to how crypto works, um, but people, people didn't didn't really like it. Um, which was, yeah, I agree with you. It was quite a surprise. And even uh, talking within our own kind of local magic playing community there, it seems to be a quite a divisive um, topic, it, just crypto in general. Yeah, and I mean, crypto, crypto has never, you know, had the best uh, reputation. You know, it's in fact a sign of its strength that it fights through no matter how much people dislike it, basically, because people who dislike it, they spread their hate and then they do nothing, right? But people who like it, they they take action, right? So obviously in the long run, action defeats inaction. So it doesn't really matter if people don't really like it in that sense. But so crypto has generally, you know, suffered a, a bit of a bad reputation, but it has been starting to come around in the general view. And it's just very bizarre that this specific segment would be like even more than the average person set against it, right? And so in this thread, um, LSV that I was looking at and read it, LSV, so he's the one of the hosts of the the podcast and very well regarded in this uh, scene, you know, as, as being a intelligent, reasonable, and obviously like a popular content creator. He's people were sort of saying, why you're, you're promoting this scam? Like what's wrong with you? Like, I'm going to stop listening to the show. You know, all the things people usually do when they're upset about, uh, you know, some sort of uh, stance or sponsorship taken by, by something that they're invested in. 
And so he posted this response, which was, I believe in crypto and FTX, so I don't view either of those things as dubious. I'm also not looking to try and convince those who don't. If it's not for you, that's a valid viewpoint, which is obviously pretty reasonable, exactly what I was talking about on the show last week, which is crypto is the ultimate thing. If you don't like it, don't use it. That's fine. Nobody's forcing you to use it. Nobody's making you trade with it or, or whatever. I mean, people are increasingly up against it because if they don't like it, but everybody else has moved on to it, well then, you know, at some point, it's a society you want to trade with other people. If other people start preferring crypto to your dollars, well, then nobody's forcing you to adopt it, but you might be shooting yourself in the foot if you don't. But this comment that he made is, you know, eminently very reasonable, right? It's their sponsor. They've done a deal with them. They've obviously checked it out and done their own research and they didn't do a very, like it wasn't an over the top job in announcing it. Like people sort of said, oh, it's this, long whatever it was 20 minutes that wasn't true at all it was much less than that it was like five minutes the whole segment before they got into the show was 20 but that was because they were talking about other topics and you know various things like that and they didn't say anything controversial all they just said was it's an exchange if you're interested in crypto check it out if you're not don't that's fine and and yet it's still got this very uh vitriolic kind of response Uh, but i mean it is uh very uh, not really prescient, but it's very insightful of LSV to have this take. Like, if you don't like it, don't use it because whether he knows it or not, I, I would guess he, he probably doesn't. But it actually harkens back to Satoshi. One of the most famous Satoshi quotes of all time uh, is somebody posted to him, you know, Bitcoin, blah, 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 like some something like that. And Satoshi said, look, if, if you don't get it, I don't have time to explain it to you, basically. <laughs> like, if you don't get it, just, just forget about it. Like, uh, let me, let me just quickly look it up. Uh, I think this, this quote classic, from uh, this quote from LSV here, kind of, it, it sounds like he has done. He, he had the kind of crypto revelation, and he was like, "Oh my god, I have to tell everyone about this thing. This is the future. This is magical. This is incredible." And then you do that kind of, you have that like evangelical phase, um, and then everyone kind of pushes back at you. And this, this to me looks like the words of a guy who's been past that evangelical phase and is like, I'm not going to, I'm, I can lead the horse to water, but I'm not going to force it to drink. Um, yeah. And I think that's probably where a lot of um, crypto enthusiasts end up because it is, if it, once you, once you understand how important this could be, you, you want to, you want to tell everyone so they're not left out but then you get the pushback and it's kind of demoralizing. This to me looks like LSV's had that experience. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's an interesting take. So let me just say this, the quote, the exact quote from Satoshi is, if you don't believe me or don't get it, I don't have time to try to convince you. Sorry. So that was just like the ultimate. This is, I don't know. There's a lot of great Satoshi quotes, but this is in the top, you know, this is maybe the number one quote or something from outside the white. I don't know, Jet, can you chip in here? You know what I'm talking about? Is this, is this one of the this is one of the most famous quotes right uh i think so yeah i think it's one of my favorites for sure <laughs> it's a, it's a lot it's everyone's favorite it sums it up right there it's like you don't get it all right that's fine just like that's your problem it's not, not our problem you know if you, if you don't get it and and that's something where yeah crypto does suffer that to, to actually click with it 
you, it's a paradigm shift. It's not just, okay, we had dollars and we made dollars plus and they're on your phone or like something like that. You know, you, you really have to get the, get the message. Like the whole point is, you know, like people trying to make their exchanges and trade it in and make money and convert it back out to dollars. It's like, no, you don't need dollars. There is, there will be no dollars. <laughs> it will just be things for crypto and uh and you know or people struggle at every step of understanding how did this get value in the first place why would people buy some why would people buy some and then not trade it back why wouldn't people have some dollars like just all those different steps it's it's confusing uh to them so yeah i don't know what uh how lsv has has felt trying to evangelize it or whatever but uh with he and marshall uh you know, I'm sure they've done their their research in, in great detail. In fact, I even saw him uh, comment on one of his streams uh, last night that I think he'd, he'd done like, you know, or maybe he said in the show, but he'd done like six to eight months of, of reading. Like this was not, he read about it for a week and then suddenly they're doing FTX is sponsoring their their podcast. Like I'm, I'm sure he's, he even explained it. He said, I've gone down the rabbit hole, right? That's the kind of thing people always say about crypto because- it's something you don't know at all about until, you know, you put your foot into it and then whoosh, like it's once you get a little bit of a sense of there's something going on here, suddenly there's a lot more to it than just people trading online to try and get rich or, or, or whatever. It's actually a fundamental uh, shift in society. So, and I mean, we'll, we'll see how this, whether this sort of blows over or not. I mean, I think a lot of the people are complaining and saying, we're going to unsubscribe and we're never coming back. And what, like people will say that about anything. They just say that, like, I don't know that their viewership's going to massively tank and, you know, FTX is probably paying them good money. So who do they care if a yeah. few salty listeners leave, you know? Thinking about it, it wouldn't even be that damaging to FTX because the ones who are so anti-crypto that they're going to, not watch the thing that they're ad- listen to the thing that they're advertising on. Well, that's not a loss of a potential customer. So they're yeah. not going to mind. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think, I mean, I I did think that that maybe this this whole negative reaction was in part came about because the magic community it, it is a very analytical type of thing, right? People who are drawn to it for the same reason that there's a lot of people in the technology industry in it, it is very sort of logical and rational and sort of having a mathematical frame of mind about optimizing something for the most perfect solution. You know, people who like board games, uh, you know, very intricate board games and video games, this is often kind of comes along with that. Right. And so it's all those kind of people who have seen, you know, people getting scammed, not necessarily in cryptocurrency or even in cryptocurrency, because there are a lot of scams in cryptocurrency, but, you know, in, in various financial schemes or whatever. And they just think that they're smarter than it. They're not the one that's getting sucked in. Right. And that they're, so they're kind of a bit condescending towards, towards people who've gone down the, the rabbit hole. And, and that's interesting as well, because like I said, Ellis, he's very, very well known. Like I cannot say it enough you know, uh, in the scene for yeah. people who don't know magic that very, 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 I, I'm trying to think of an analogy that people might be more he, familiar He's with probably or, like, he's, he's the Tom Brady or Steph Curry of magic. Yeah. 
Or yeah, even, exactly. even, even the Michael Jordan, he's he's in like top five goat list. He's yeah. like top all timer, as well as being probably the most charismatic, uh, like podcast camera streamer facing of all of the like top. Um, high, he's the bet. He's the highest skilled player who's the most charismatic and then does the most kind of media appearances type thing. Yeah. So just that combo, you know, it's, and that's where this, him being the one to do it with uh, Marshall as well is also yeah. just like, if anybody could, could say it and say, guys, we've thought about this carefully. You know, if you're listening, uh, we're just, we're just putting it out there. We're not, we're not pushing it. We're not trying to do anything. We're just putting it out there. Uh, you know, think about it. If any, anybody who could be accused of being sucked in by a scam or unreasonable, or like you said, they've done what 600 episodes, they're not going to destroy their reputation of 600 episodes. <laughs> just like, oh, guys, we found a Ponzi scheme and now we're in on it. Like, that, that's just not what is happening. And yet, a huge percentage of their viewer base, seemingly, or at least a very vocal percentage, thinks thinks that that's what it what is happening. And I mean, the, the blessing of the haters is that, you know, time always forgives. They can always uh, figure out they were wrong later and then just shut up about all their, you know, denying and all their, all their whatever, like time, time won't care. Right. But it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's just very interesting. The whole, the whole dynamic of this. So uh, yeah, for any, I mean, we can see in this show, if we will get any uh, comments, anybody can comment, uh, youtube or whatever you know they they play magic or if they've seen that in their friends who are into it or people who know about other collectibles i mean now that i think about it it's very uh it's just come to me that gold and silver no wonder like peter schiff and different people in that gold and silver community no wonder so many of them don't get it because it's kind of the same thing where they collecting gold and silver you know is kind of this oh we're going to bring this monetary you know, system back into place, but it's like, yeah, but you're just stocking it in your house or in a bank vault. Like people are not trading gold, even between two people who love gold. They're not like, Oh, I need an apple. And can I pay for pay back for lunch in gold bullion? They don't do that. Crypto people do that. They actually live in the dream of being outside of the fiat system. But that's the same thing with the gold. Because they're like, we're above this. We've figured it out. We're not getting sucked in. It's not real. It's all a fake scam or, or, you know, or, or whatever, right? So, I, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe that's the same thing. Silver's really cool. This is completely off topic, but I've got a mate who's got a little bar of silver. And it is yeah. just, it's got really interesting properties. Like, you touch it and it feels super cold and it sucks all the heat out. And, yeah, <laughs> completely off topic. Silver's a really no, cool. No, no, no. It's, it's good. I mean, I love, like, silver. Like, if, if crypto didn't exist, I would be a huge silver like fan in fact when i first got into uh bitcoin i i was reading a lot of this stuff about the history of money and everything i thought okay fine i've got to figure this out for myself right so i went to the local um sort of uh shop you know <laughs> what, what, what is this jet's already like broken up like laughing i don't know if he's if he's done this himself but anyway he can explain afterwards like what is so funny about this story but uh i went i was like I had some Bitcoin or whatever, and I went to the local shop where they were selling stamps and like World War II memorabilia and like stuff like this, right? And the I cool went stuff in. shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the just the kind of this kind of shop that if you don't 
if you're not looking, it's like the room of requirement in Harry Potter. If you're not looking for it, it's never there, right? But as soon as you like Google up, like where do I buy silver bullion in my city? It'll be like on some main street or something you walk past a hundred times, but you've just never actually gone into that shop because it's kind of crammed in between a couple. It was exactly like that, right? It's in, uh, it's near, it's in uh, the civic interchange or at least it used to be in Canberra. So, so I went in there and it, yeah, it's like some Harry Potter type uh, setup where they've got, <laughs> they've got like all these weird, you know, outdated stuff on the walls and, and whatever. And so how old was I then? I was like 18, maybe, or like I might have even been 17. And no, that can't be right. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I was 18. So I went in and uh, I said, yeah, hey, you know, can I buy some silver bullion? And, I, you know, he had a couple of bars of it. And if you get like, uh, I think I got some 10 ounce bars, a 10 ounce bar of silver is not very big. It's like about this, this big, like it's maybe the length of my uh, index finger, you know, or, or a little, a little shorter, maybe three quarters of that, that length. And you think 10 ounces, like, I don't know how much I paid for that. Uh, but what is it? Silver is like, you know, $15 an ounce. So maybe I paid 150 Australian dollars uh, for this ounce of silver. And I was like, it was not very much. I was like, is that all I get? And that's silver, by the way, which is like gold is way, way more expensive than that. If you buy, you know, uh, whatever it is, uh, 1800, you know, ounce of gold, it's like a tiny little square. It's a Because well, gold is also particularly dense as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you're really not getting it very much, but I thought it was cool. So I think I bought two of these bars, right? And so then I took him home and I was like, it, it feels cool. It does, if I recommend to anybody yeah. that has not uh, ever owned any precious metals, give it a shot. Like go find some of these silver rounds or like whatever the hell it is. And it's going to cost you an arm and a leg, right? It's not going to be a financial you know, benefit because the markup on these things is ridiculous. It's going to be like a 15% markup, you know, because the market is so illiquid because it's not like crypto where you can just trade it online 24 seven and gamble your life away. Instead, it's like, it's actually a huge pain in the ass to acquire any amount of it and then store it and then get rid of it. All of those things are a real pain compared to crypto compared to anything really. Um, But yeah, I had some of those bars and it was, it, it feels solid, man. I know what those people who are like doomsday preppers and they're stacking up and they're looking at their, bunker or whatever under their house and they're like look i've got my ak-47 i've got my bullets i've got my baked beans and i've got my bars of silver if you're standing there looking at a room like that you are fucking set you're ready for the apocalypse (laughs) like that (laughs) that, you you feel like that you honestly do feel like that um i I can um holding holding like a little like a bar of silver it's got it's got there's like a a there's like an emotional weight to it. It's, it feels kind of similar to that. And I, I had this feeling real recently, so I can remember that moment where you first get transferred. When you transferred me five millibCHs, and I was like, oh my God, I've got crypto. Um, yeah. it, that's kind of what it feels like holding silver. It's good. Highly recommended. If you can hold some silver, I mean, don't yeah. like hold it as in an investment, just physically have it in your hands. Yeah, yeah. But it, it kind of is funny, right? Because it's sort of like a, it's almost like a biological thing. It's like humanity has known for, you know, thousands of years, they've been getting, you know, keen on, on precious metals. And, and who knows what's the cause and effect there? Did crypto, I mean, not crypto, did gold and silver become so attractive to people? Because 
because of that element or because every you know it was fungible and divisible and portable and all these things that made it good money did then people develop an attachment to it maybe there's a bit of a two-way kind of uh cycle to it so anyway like the end of this story basically is that i had these bars of silver and i had them for like i don't know maybe a couple months or something like that and i thought about it a bit more and i thought okay at the same time i had a bit of bitcoin i was watching the price and everything and i thought yeah you know what this this silver though i don't want it because i was kind of like would i rather have this or some bitcoin and it's like is silver going to go up 100x in price no like maybe if the world collapses and it turns into a zombie apocalypse then it, it might but Bitcoin might just go up 100x just because a few more people realize like this is where it's at, right? So then I had to get rid of my silver. So I took it back to the shop and the guy was thinking, yeah, like he remembered that I'd been in there, you know, two months earlier. And he was thinking made 20% on the way in, probably making another 20% on the way out. So he had just absolutely like cashed on me. So it was lucky that I hadn't uh, put in any like ton of uh, money or whatever, it was just it was just a little bit to get the idea, but uh, I sold it back to him, and then I went and put that money in Bitcoin, and then Bitcoin made back all the money that I had lost on the <laughs> on the spreads there. So I was like, oh, forget about silver, never need that again, right? So yeah, I'm not, I'm definitely not going back to silver, but uh, I do recommend everybody physically get a bit of it in your hand to at least appreciate what it was all about. And uh, yeah, I don't know, we've just had a bit of a precious metals uh, subtopic there anyway any any thoughts uh jed have you owned any silver is that you know sound money yeah so i've never owned any precious metals i have a couple like random coins from around the world but nothing too crazy um i wanted to bring this up a while ago and it's what inspired the giggle fit because i was like oh no we're too too far in the weeds now um if, if i remember correctly uh, Mount Gox stands for Magic the Gathering Online Exchange. I was going to bring that up. I completely forgot that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it makes um, me wonder if any of the people that are like, oh, this is a scam. I want nothing to do with crypto. Have friends that had been burned by Mount Gox or they themselves had been burned? Well, well I, this I, is I another thing. Oh, sorry. Go, well, this no, is another on, thing to me that makes the fact that Magic players don't understand crypto so mind-boggling is because... Um, Magic the Gathering made an online version of its client back in 2001, 2002 is when it started. That's when I made my account in 2002, um, where they were one of the very first um, companies where you could pay for digital objects. Like there are these online cards that you traded with other players for real dollar value. And then you had those cards on your account. So Magic players seem to already have this idea that a digital item can have a monetary value, which makes it kind of even more confusing to me that they don't understand that this digital item can have a real money value. When, I don't know, there's, there are the benefits of... Wizards could just give out 10,000... Wizards of the Coast, the makers of magic, could just give out 10,000 of this card that's worth $20 as a digital item and tank the price they could just do that tomorrow they're, they're more business savvy than than doing that for confidence in their product that they could just do that um so yeah it makes me wonder why a more kind of well stable and non-inflatory 
asset like crypto or BCH can could be so reviled? Yeah, I mean, I think the the history with Matt Cox is interesting, and I even saw somebody mentioned it on this thread. Uh, somebody had brought that up, like somebody had had made that point, and I think that that also was probably yet another thing that was very much misunderstood by people who only had the most surface level understanding of it, right? Because so Mount Gox, which is, uh, yeah, I'm trying to fill in the list and see if people who don't know all the backstory, but basically, so it was called MT Gox, uh, Magic the Gathering Online Exchange. Exchange. Uh, MTGOX, MTGOX. And then that became Mount Cox because it's kind of like a, a mountain. And then that even further, that became a joke in the community. People would call it empty Gox. Like it didn't have anything in it, it was empty. <laughs> and so it sort of was this ongoing uh, joke, right? But that was the earliest, or it wasn't the earliest, but it was the first major cryptocurrency exchange. It ran from about 2011 to two thousand. Uh, 13 or something like that but the founder of that was this guy called Marc Carpelli's who was this French guy that absolutely loved Starbucks and he had the most punchable face (laughs) of anybody you've ever seen you can you can google this guy's face and there'll be a picture of him (laughs) sipping a latte like undoubtedly right and he could like barely speak English he had this most ridiculous French accent and he was known in the original uh, community like I'm talking you know pre-2013 um type of thing but he was not really big like on the forums or spreading adoption or something he was just this completely incompetent guy who had somehow bought this uh magic the gathering domain i don't think there was ever even really that many magic cards traded on it at all it was like somebody had had the idea that they were going to make a magic trading platform maybe there was some magic trading i don't think there was very much and then he had come in and been like right bitcoin that's what it's going to be. And this is at a time when there was like, there wasn't a Bitcoin exchange. So he did that and he bought uh, the Magic Gox, uh, the Mount Cox domain name and he started trading uh, Bitcoin on it. And I mean, even right from the start, it was like a bit of a mess. Like you couldn't, this is before now crypto companies struggle to get banks to give them a bank account. Like this is, you know, whatever it was, uh, eight years ago, nine, well, when he was doing it 10 or more years ago. And, you know, so every time they would try and get a bank account, but then it would get shut down, but then they would pretend it was, you know, something other than Bitcoin until the bank found out that they would shut it down. So he was in Japan, uh, of all places, right, uh, which is kind of interesting because it sort of relates to Satoshi Nakamoto, you know, who chose a Japanese pseudonym, but didn't appear to be Japanese. But then this was in Japan was where it was kicking off with Mt. Gox. And he was running this exchange and he was like, I, I think he was doing some of the coding, but uh, at the time there was no developer tools or anything. So that was a, like a disaster. Like God knows what kind of, I'm sure they didn't have test coverage of all their, you know, internal programming or whatever. Uh and but it was the biggest one and liquidity begets liquidity right so more and more people started pouring their money in and so i actually never traded on mount gox but what i did do was i had a a, a friends when i was in china and they wanted to arbitrage because the price was always higher on mount gox because there was uh there was by that time there was a couple of other exchanges like bdce and um Huobi and uh, bdc china had started so the price was always higher on Mt. Gox uh, 
which turned in retrospect to be because they didn't actually have any Bitcoins. But at the time it was kind of like, oh, it's the premier exchange. You know, that's where, that's where the money is. So that's why it's higher. It's more reliable there. And so, uh, yeah, anyway, these guys in China, they said like, look, we want to arbitrage some uh, Bitcoins from, from, Mount, from Mount Gox, but they were, they were Chinese. They couldn't like read the website. So they got me to come in into their like student dorm room and uh, like tr- help them like translate, you know, the, the process that they needed to do to like deposit money into it. You know, you had to submit, I think it was like, you had to submit like a bank uh, statement or maybe you had to submit like a picture of your driver's license or something like that. So I was trying to help them uh, do that, you know, with as many uh, warnings to them as I could that this was kind of sketchy. Well, I mean, they already, we all knew that was what was going on. But the Mount Gox itself was already well known at the time for being very uh, dodgy. And then, <laughs> and so then I told them all about that. That would have been in November of 2013. Uh, no, in December of 2013. And then things were just getting more and more crazy because this is at the time when the price went from $400 to $1,200. So it was the first time it had ever gone over $1,000 per Bitcoin. And Bitcoin was breaking headlines all around the world. And, you know, the community is getting really revved up. But then at the same time, uh, Mark Carpelli's is just running his little like disaster of an exchange, trying to keep up with all the orders. And increasingly people are like, where's my Bitcoin? I can't get my Bitcoin out. Uh, and like, so then, but then, you know, this is all happening in Tokyo on the other side of the world from, you know, anyone in Europe or America. So people are having a hard time figuring out like what's actually going on. Mark Carpelli's is not providing any updates really about any of this. And then it was in February, uh, he just, he just switched it off. He just, the web page, it didn't even go down. It wasn't even like uh, Chrome, like, you know, 404 could not connect. It wasn't like that. He literally just deleted all the HTML on the page. So it was just like a white screen. So it was like, you could still connect to the domain name, but just the login button was gone. The text of what he'd wow. written. It was just, it was all online, dude. This is one of the, you know, best <laughs> moments of my life that I was actually there for this historic event. Like I, I was like watching it because people were like, Matt Gox is looking pretty dodgy. And you just refresh the page, just a white screen, like inspect source code in the sidebar. It's just like HTML, like slash div and that's it. And nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Exactly. So then, and then on Reddit, which is where all the activity was, everybody instantly blocked Matt Gox is offline, you know, blah, blah, blah. And everybody who had their coins on it was like, finished you know um realizing that they were not going to get their money back and yeah just the coda like we don't go on with this mount gox story forever but the the coda to all this was then uh the next year so yeah that year in 2014 there was a documentary that came out people can check it out called the rise and rise of bitcoin uh which was very very famous at the time i don't think it's probably pretty underground now but uh, where this guy had been doing a documentary about Bitcoin. He was mining Bitcoin at his house and then he'd started documenting the start of the scene. And he had gone to Mount Gox and got all this footage of what was going on there. So there's a whole segment where he, he goes in the offices with Mark Carpelli, who's, who's telling him like, uh, this is the servers. And like, and he's like <laughs> just looking around at all this stuff. And this was like a couple of months before it all blew up. But this footage only came out later. 
and anyway so yeah anybody can check that out if they're interested the rise and rise of bitcoin it's got a lot of interesting stuff in it for like a i don't know it's like a 90 minute documentary or something but there's probably like a 15 or 10 minute segment on on mount gox you can see exactly what i'm talking about you'll see mark carpelli's and his and his frappuccino you know so and people protesting outside where's our money and like this is like this is yeah. This was I did like, see first, there was one there was one bloke with a sign. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's like one 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 guy with sign. It was just it's like one bloke with a sign. Street, except like Tokyo Bitcoin edition, you know, like uh, yeah, it's just just uh, just a classic. But yeah, anyway, seems like uh, that that was the that was the old lore of uh, even uh, cheap lightning I had on the show last week said yeah I got goxed right that was the phrase like a lot of money got uh, lost there and various people have their I I, I actually uh, I talked to another guy a little while ago who uh, told me he had some uh, some crypto that he luckily got out of uh, got out of um, Mount Gox before it all went kaboom and uh yeah and then everybody was like well that's it bitcoin's over you know the media wrote a thousand death stories and it was pretty quiet then for a couple of years but the community kept kicking on people who didn't have their coins on mount gox like me were just laughing like it's all good and then from the ashes uh, yeah from the ashes, again it, and and at the time it was funny too because when it blew up everybody was you know everybody was saying like from from outside the community it was like bitcoin has died all these libertarians got scammed them and their stupid market philosophy well this is what happens when you don't have regulation or whatever and you know what the community actually said was fine don't regulate it's like they there was nobody saying mount cox has gone down quick we need regulation everybody actually just said yeah but the market will provide another solution like sorry if you got scammed sorry for your loss that was the phrase Sorry for your loss, but uh, we'll 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 come back. You know there'll be uh, there'll be another exchange, and people will realize. Look, you've got to hold your crypto yourself, and they'll learn, and and the community will will fight back. And lo and behold, that's what happened. Now there's and well, I mean, then there was a whole series of other exchange scams, right? But the point is, there's still exchanges today, and they're still getting scammed, like FTX that we've literally just talked about. So until people figure out, go to an exchange. Swap your fiat, get your crypto, and then hold it yourself. It. Hold get it, it yourself. yourself until this is the message. Anybody listening to this episode, hold your freaking crypto yourself, not your well, keys, not your coins. Actually, you've just reminded me all of my crypto is currently in eToro. <laughs> yeah, well, get that you out. Might wanna, you might want to get that out of there then, uh, yep. if you yep. can. Um, but yeah, just just hold it yourself. Don't get goxed. Don't get FTXed if they. You know, no aspersions on them, but some aspersions on them because this is looking pretty sketchy. I don't know, billions of BTC getting sent around all the time. That's a bit much. So anyway, we'll follow that story and see see what uh, what what happens about that. But just very very interesting. The collectibles community apparently. And finally, one final point on this too is that the Magic the Gathering is going bonkers right now in terms of the how popular it is and everything. But it's not just that. All these other card games, which I don't know anything about, Pokemon cards, Yu-Gi-Oh cards, there's one called Flesh and Blood, Weiss, um, I don't know. There's other ones, MetaZoo, right? All these cards are just coming out. There's all these card games. Why? Because it's related to crypto is that the idea that people have the idea of trading and collectibles is in the zeitgeist but also because inflation is going freaking bonkers. So right now people are just know they subconsciously or consciously even know I've got to get my money out of 
dollars because those are being printed and new Pokemon cards are being printed, but they're not being printed as fast as dollars. So everybody's just trying to get out of it. They're trying to get into gold, into stocks, into um, the median house price in Australia. I learned today is now $955,000, cost nearly a million Australian dollars to buy a house in Australia these days, more if you're in Sydney or Melbourne, right? And so that's it. Just money is just being churned out of the printers like nobody's uh, business. So all of these, uh, you know, magic collectors, well, they'll be somewhat fine because the value of their cards will in- increase with inflation, but they well, yeah, will be way, better to diversify to crypto as well. Like in a way, your, your first edition Charizard, your um, Alpha Black Lotus, isn't, it? it's kind of... It's a the, crypto, it's an the, NFT. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, an, it's similar to gold. It's, it's a store of value in the fact that there are only X number of them. The demand for them is not going to go down because people still like this stuff, even as an art object. Um, and if the value of money goes down, the value of this object will, it will look to be rising. But compared to how many loaves of bread could I buy with this Charizard, it will pretty much remain constant. It will just look like it's getting more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Cool. I'm not sure if I dropped out that. No, I think, okay. Didn't drop out. All right, cool. So yeah, then let's uh, just move on. We've been going for a while. So we'll just get sort of more towards the end of the show then. So community comment this week comes from FPV Tad the Rad. Great name on YouTube who commented on the uh, previous episode of this podcast on YouTube. BCH is like a Star Wars prequel. In the future, people will realize BCH is the beginning. And I love this. I thought that that's it. Absolutely got it. I mean, it's not a, an exact parallel, but it's always kind of funny that the uh, Star Wars, you know, episode four was the first episode, but then later on episode one came out, which was the start, but only kind of in retrospect. And I mean, even my dad, <laughs> I've talked to him about this and he's convinced, I've not been able to really find any historical source of this, but he is convinced that he went to see the original, you know, Star Wars episode four when it came out. And according to him, it was called Star Wars. There was no episode four. It was not, you know, that that was kind of maybe retconned in a little bit later, maybe in, you know, the, well, I guess they didn't have DVDs then, but you know, whatever the VHS release or, uh, you know, can- whatever. Yeah, I can confirm that having seen on Reddit, I think this week someone posted a copy of their original VHS copy of Star Wars and it's not even called A Star- New Hope. It's not A New Hope. It's, Last Star Wars. Hope. it's just called yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. So he, he you know, so, so to him, obviously, you know, and to everyone forevermore, you know, like that was the first one, right? Even if it was called episode four later on, it still was the beginning. And it's exactly the same as BCH, right? It is the original one. Uh, even if most people don't realize it or if it's hard for them to get their head around, you know, that it was out of chronological order or something like it is the original one. Like I, yeah, just yesterday I was arguing on Twitter, which I shouldn't do, but I argued on Twitter, this one guy who was into Litecoin and he said, Litecoin has been around way longer than BCH because it was 2011 versus 2019. I said, no, it's not. BCH has been around since 2009 and Litecoin in 2011. 
And he was like, no, it hasn't. There's no exchanges that listed it. And I'm like, yeah, well, how did we fucking time warp back in time from 2017 to 20, 2009 to put transactions into our blockchain? That's, that's nonsensical, right? That's not exactly how it happened. Like BCH has been there the whole time. It wasn't like the Bitcoin was this straight road and then BCH came off the side at 2017. It, it just was one road that then Y forked in, into. But anyway, people people just struggle with all these ideas. I don't, I don't know if they don't get it. But yeah, FPV, Tad the Silly Rad. People. Great. Yeah. Well, education, that's, that's what we're here for, to teach them the error of their ways. Okay. And then meme of the week. This week, I am meme of the week. I had the best meme of the week judged by me. So I made a post called just made my first MetaMask Ben swap trade of Bitcoin cash for cash cats BCH. So that was the, with the launch of smart BCH, BCH can now be Ethereum as well. So, and the first thing somebody did was made a meme token called cash cats. So I bought a little bit of that. Cause I was like, look, you've got Dogecoin cash cats seems good to me. And I needed to try this stuff out. So I gave it a go bought my first uh, cash cats on this decentralized exchange. And then speculation begins on when the first mention of smart BCH will appear on bankless HQ. So bankless uh, is this podcast uh, about Ethereum run by these guys, uh, Ryan and David. Uh, And I really recommend them. People can check them out. They've got a lot of great insight into the Ethereum uh, stuff. And particularly what I like about their podcast is they see crypto very, very differently to me because I don't know for sure when they got into crypto, but I think it was maybe in like the 2017, 2016, 2018 range. And that's why that was when Ethereum was starting to sort of emerge. So they got in on that uh, bandwagon and they have a very Ethereum centric view of it and not as much uh, like me with the historical, like Bitcoin was the original and they're always kind of being like, yeah, but Bitcoin was a bit out of it, you know, already because by the time they were coming into it, that's what had happened. Bitcoin had, had let a lot of that lead slip. Boomer so, coin. Yeah. Yeah. Boomer coin. Exactly. So I, I love their podcast and, and I had tagged them in this and I said, there's always a bigger Bitcoin. And then I just made this meme of this little uh, goldfish with the, the Bitcoin uh, logo on it, the orange Bitcoin BDC logo on it. And then there's this kind of bigger and <laughs> significantly uglier fish, uh, which is kind of swimming in to eat the goldfish. Uh, and I put the Ethereum uh, logo on that. And then to the far side, there's an even bigger and uglier fish sort of looming in from the side. And I put the Bitcoin cash uh, logo on that right so obviously the idea is because the ethereum community and these guys in the bankless uh podcast yeah i mean they're always talking about we're coming we're gonna flip in btc and ethereum is just btc but better and then it's kind of like even though it's you know smaller down the market cap and then bch is well it's going to be the heaviest hitter like it's still further down the it's like the the squid you know deeper in the ocean right it's just come from the bigger and and deeper part of the ocean, but it's going to be the biggest fish in the end because now it's can do every, it's BTC bit better. And now it's also Ethereum bit better because it's got uh, um, smart BCH. And I had never got into Ethereum. I'd never really bothered to download any of their wallets or send any around because I had no, I was like, wait a second, this is not going to be money. This is all this other random decentralized trading and whatever. Okay, it's cool. I'm glad that that stuff exists and people were experimenting with it but I'd never thought that it was going to compete to actually be money. You can even see that in the Ethereum community. They're not, 
um you know they're not like oh trade me a sandwich for some ether like that just people just don't really do that so now that bch has smart bch i downloaded metamask and i plugged it in and i got it all set up and uh it was it was kind of cool i don't think it's a game changer i think it's a game changer in general i don't think it's gonna i'm not gonna probably use it all the time uh but i think the fact that it will attract in people into the ecosystem who are into all that sort of stuff uh once they see that wait this is it and if it's got a lot lower fees which it will uh then that will obviously draw in liquidity and different app developers and and it will help bitcoin cash so you know now unique now the only coin that is it's lit, quite literally the better Bitcoin and the better Ethereum. So uh, I don't know when these guys at Bankless are going to figure out that this might be, because they used to, they always have memes and jokes about the Ethereum killers, you know, Solana or bloody whatever is flavor of the month, right? There's always something coming to kill Ethereum. Uh, in Pull the, off so the they, mask and it was Bitcoin all along. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And it's just a funny quirk of fate because the, uh, you know, Ethereum was going to be built on Bitcoin, but then it didn't end up because the Bitcoin people wrecked that uh, and said, look, we're not going to scale and, and let this happen. And now Bitcoin Cash is, uh, you know, going back to those original roots and saying, well, why not? We'll let them do it. But we'll just do it on a side chain so that it can't mess up the main uh, chain. So anyway, that'll be interesting. I'll be keeping an eye on their, their content uh, as well. I really need to check out if there, I know, I know less than nothing about Ethereum. Um, all I know is that their their logo looks like an MTG symbol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. It absolutely does. Could be the you know the like wastes. It's like the colorless mana, except it's like super colored mana or something. Yeah, uh, return right, exactly. to return to return to Zendikar. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, everyone should uh, check out Ethereum for sure. But check out Smart BCH though. Get the full Ethereum experience still in bch you know even better two for the price of one i'll All have right. to get you to show me that oh yeah i'll, I'll send you some cats because... bro i'll send you some uh some cash cats you can get onboarded directly and start speculating in the the meme the meme coins oh, <laughs> well. there's something i find just a bit distasteful about meme coins because while it puts it into the kind of public spotlight it's i don't know it's taking a piss at the same time it hasn't, uh, yeah, you know, it's kind of the weird roundabout thing, right? That it's funny that crypto, which or like Bitcoin Cash or even regular Bitcoin or, or something, some crypto that is solid, has a lot of devs, there's a lot going for it. I mean, this is actually really like change the world type stuff. Everyone's like, nah, that's a bit of a scam. But then you're like, Dogecoin, we put a dog on it. And suddenly everyone's like, all right, I'm all in on Dogecoin. Like, let me put in so a thousand. Strange. You know, straight away, like, who cares if there's any devs or any projects or any wallets or anything that works? It's got a dog on it. So must be a winner. Well, so the main guy himself even said he made it for a joke as a scam. Right. Jackson Palmer. Yeah, he's well, there's two there's two guys that uh, started that. And one of them, Jackson Palmer, became really salty because he sold all of his and then it went through <laughs> the route and he missed out on getting rich. So the joke was really on himself, but he didn't, you know, he didn't find it funny. So yeah, he's he's kind of a bit out of the scene now, I think, really. All right, so that's uh, second last slide. Then message to the community, Luke. This would be your. Is this your second or third? I don't know if we. Oh, even this is probably my third. Um, yeah. I, I think in my previous ones, I've thanked the BCH community for being so. 
kind of that was it the last time yeah um this time i'm gonna say if any of you are magic fans and programmers and crypto enthusiasts i think there is even with the downsides we've been saying today i think there is a space in the market for crypto card market um i would i would love to spend my coins on cards yeah then in if if there was a crypto card market the prices wouldn't be tethered to fiat currency at all. And then it would be talking about what we were talking about. The prices would literally just be listed in crypto. Um, yeah. And you're doing a direct crypto transaction. Yeah. And there is ways, you know, that you can, you can set it up with the uh, escrows and, and everything. Like you could, you could figure it all out. And, and yeah, I think that, that would be, that would be so cool. I would, I would really like to see that as well too. And that should just be, because if you like in, uh, you know, Magic or in any other card game, people are familiar with, I'm not going to trade my cards for dollars. I might just trade some cards for cards. You know, it's kind of the same thing. Instead yeah. of trading your cards for dollars, just trade your cards for crypto and then your crypto for cards and it can just flow around. Then you can trade your crypto for another crypto or your cards for another cards. And that's an economy, yeah. right? People just trade whatever for whatever uh, at the market price, you know? So oh, yeah, that would be super that'd cool. That would be so good. But uh, yeah, they, I, I guess if there's somebody out there that that's an idea for you, uh, you can, you can, yeah, crack on, crack on with that. I'll be a first customer. I can't program otherwise. <laughs> well, yeah. if you, yeah, if you are a programmer, but you don't know about the crypto side, uh, you can write into the show, Jeremy at bitcoincashpodcast.com. I'll link you up with Luke and you can have a little entrepreneurial venture <laughs> going on uh right there there's always uh plenty of people or you know out, out out and about there in the world with, with different ideas so yeah i think then that will essentially do it for the show so it is same as always thank you very much to the donators uh i absolutely love i really value the bch that i earn i value it more than the I mean, some of my salaries now in BCH, but the pounds that I earn, I'm like, ah, nice pounds, you know. <laughs> the BCH, when you earn it, feels good, you know. It's like this is some limited surprise. It's like holding the silver in your hand, you know. It's like this is some real, real stuff here. So thank you all uh, a lot to the, the, the donators. Um, the slides and resources are at www.bitcoincashpodcast.com. I have been working on the FAQ. So if you need to answer some of your common questions about Bitcoin Cash in detail, they've been well received when I uh, posted some of them onto Reddit. I'm, I was impressed actually because I have been monitoring that and then people ask a question and then I've written an answer. And now other people are asking the same question and I just repost them the link to it. So it's, it is uh, starting to answer a lot of those, those more common things that people ask. Um, so yeah, you can check that out. You can subscribe to the show on YouTube. Uh, or on noise.cash on Twitter. You can follow me to get the early uh, release links if you're into that. Um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or whatever it's called, Google Podcasts, uh, all those things the show is distributed on. So yeah, shout outs for the show. Do you have, do you have a, a shout out, Luke? Um, if you're a magic player, shout out Limited Resources. It's a decent podcast. Um, yeah. And I guess they could do with the bump in viewership after everyone who's cancelling that subscription. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a good program if you're into magic. If you're not, it's 
obviously not going to be for you. Yeah. All right. So shout out to LSV and Marshall and Darksphere London as well for uh, and the DS drafters. Shout out to them. You know who you are. Um, that will do it for the show pretty much, I think. Jet, any, any final words? Nope. Okay, we're all good. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and until next time. Future dollars can buy nothing for you. You've heard of inflation, right? Oh, banks fucked you up.